Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're finishing a sermon series this morning, Why We Need, and we're talking about why we need the church. The first church I ever pastored, I was 22 years old. Uh, It was out in Trimble County, ran about 50 people, uh, a little wood church right over the creek there, as you would think of, uh, out in the country. And this church only took in about $400 or so a week from their offering. And uh, they gave me 200 of it. And so I was making all kinds of money. And uh, uh, they paid once a month. And so uh, when I was leaving and going to another church, uh, I told them, I said, hey, at the business meeting, at the final night, I said, I'm going to take my final check and I'm going to donate it so that we can buy a copy machine for the church. They were still using the old thing where you, you typed in all the stuff and then wrote it out. Anybody remember that? I don't even know what it was called. The old mimeograph thing. Yeah, yeah. They were still using that. And so I said, I'm going to give my final check and the church can buy a copy machine. And so everybody started getting real excited. And then the lady that did the bulletin said, well, now wait, I've got the mimeograph machine at home. If we get a copy machine, it's got to be in my house. And then somebody else said, we're not putting a new copy machine in your house. It goes in the church. And then she said, well, then I'm not doing the bulletin anymore. And people said, well, if, if I'm not doing it, so who's going to do the bulletin? And then they started arguing and fussing and fighting. And people literally started screaming at one another. And so I got up and I walked down uh, the aisle of the church and I picked my, my check up out of, the, out, of the, out of the little offering plate. And I said, forget it. I'm taking my check back and put it in my wallet and went and sat down. Went back for a reunion about 10 years later and they were still laughing about that. We can't believe you didn't take, you took your check back. That was the funniest thing. But you look at that and what you think of is this. Is that what God intended when he gave us this thing called the church? You know, we see stuff like that and we hear people say things like, well, everybody at church is a hypocrite. Uh, the church is an old fashioned institution that doesn't matter anymore. All they care about is money. It's irrelevant. Uh, I've heard people say to me, well, I believe in God, but I don't believe in the church. And then we see things as Josh referenced earlier, you know, the sticky faith that we're talking about, that 50% of high school seniors will leave the church after they graduate from high school. one out of every two. And so what we're going to be talking about this morning is if all of that is true, and the reason that church and people are called hypocrites and old-fashioned and irrelevant and all that, is that there's bits of truth in all of that. But if all of that is true, then why do we need the church? That's what we're going to be talking about over in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And the first thing we see is this. Our common salvation has brought us into a new relationship with God and other believers. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you enter into a new relationship, a new relationship with God and a new relationship with others who believe in God. So let's look over to chapter 2, verse 1 of Ephesians. And uh, we're going to run through this first section real quick uh, just to get what it's saying. Look at verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. 
So the first thing we're told is at one point, every one of us was lost and away from God. Paul describes it as being dead in our sins. It's just as if the individual was dead, dead to the purpose of life, dead to eternal life, dead to the things of God. So he says at one time, that was all of us. We were dead in this world. He goes on in verses eight and nine and he says, but by grace, you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. So no one can boast. So we were dead in our sins. God has made us alive again through what Jesus did. And it's not just what Jesus did. We couldn't do it ourselves. We're told very directly by grace, you have been saved. It's not of yourself. It's not your works. No one can boast. So you're dead in your sins, but there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But God has done what you couldn't do. Jesus died on the cross, taking your sins upon him so that you could be forgiven. And when that happens, when you go from being dead to being alive again in Christ, look down to verses 12 and 13, verses 12 and 13. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So we now have a new relationship. We were once far away from God. We are now near. The blood of Christ has now made us a new relationship with God. So because of your salvation experience, you are no longer a stranger. You're no longer far away. You've been brought into a new relationship with God. But the implication is it's not just that, but you've been brought into a new relationship with every other believer in this world. Anyone who calls upon God as his Lord and Savior, then you are their brother and sister. You have gone into a new relationship. So the first thing we see when we talk about why we need the church is that we need to understand that our salvation experience with God has caused us to have a new relationship with him. Look down to verse 15. He abolished in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of two, thus making peace. And in this body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So people that you have no relationship with all, people that you wouldn't get along with for five minutes out in the world, you have suddenly entered into a new relationship as God's people with them. So there's no choice in that matter. You can't go around and say, well, I I don't need the church or I don't want the church. On the day of your salvation, you entered into a new relationship with God and you entered into a new relationship with other people. It is not your choice. It is what God has done in and through you, that new relationship with him, that new relationship with others. So that's the first thing we see as we get started. That's kind of the foundation of what we're going to be looking at. Now, for the rest of this morning, we're going to be talking about four images that God gives the church in Ephesians chapter two. And each one of them highlights this new relationship that you have with God and that you have with other people. And they tell us why we need the church. Okay, Jesus is in my life. He's died for my sins. Now I have this new relationship with him. I have this new relationship with others. Four images Paul is going to give us to describe why we need the church. So let's look at this new relationship that's important to all believers and look at these four images that God gives. So why do we need the church? The first reason is this. We need the church because all of us need a place to belong. All of us need a place to belong. People are relational. 
We've talked before. One of the worst punishments you can give anybody is solitary confinement. Why is that? Because we were made to be in relationship with one another. It's just the way that God has made us. We crave that relationship with him. We crave that relationship with other people. The image that he gives us here is the church as a country in which we are all fellow citizens. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 of Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but you are now fellow citizens with God's people. So the first image he gives us of the church is that we are fellow citizens. We are part of the same country. Now, when you think of a country, uh, a country is some place that you, you say, you know, this is my allegiance. I, I, you know, this is, this is the place I belong. These are my people. You think of that and immediately all of those things come into your mind. You know, this is my country. This is the place that I'm a part of. Uh, I remember back in, when I graduated from college, uh, a friend of mine and I, we went to Europe for six weeks. So guys and gals, y'all need to get going, you know, uh, here pretty soon. So we went to Europe for six weeks, just got a Euro pass, went whatever we wanted. We didn't have a lot of money, so we tried to do things like this. We would stay to like midnight in some city and then ride the train overnight to the next one and try to sleep on the train. So we didn't have to get a hotel room. So we were in Frankfurt, Germany, and we'd messed around. We'd seen everything. It was like midnight. We'd gone to the train station. There was nobody in the train station except me and my friend. We're sitting there, you know, waiting for the train to Munich from Frankfurt. When suddenly, like a street gang comes in. They start walking around the bench we're at. They start kicking the bench. Uh, you know, they're saying things in German. I'm sure very complimentary things. Your shirt looks very nice. Thank you. You know, and you know, and, and, and they're saying things, you know, to us. And uh, so I'm starting to get a little ill at ease here when suddenly they all turn around and they leave quickly. And we look up and five American soldiers who had also been in Frankfurt that day come walking up. And one of them looked at us and said, are you all Americans? And I said, yes, sir, we are. We are, we are from the United States of America, and you are our army. And, uh, uh, and he said, what are you doing here? And we said, well, we're taking the train to Munich. And he said, well, it doesn't leave for about 45 minutes. And I said, yeah. And he said, I think you all need to hang out with us. And we said, we agree totally. We need to hang out with you all. I was so glad that I was a part of the United States of America and the army rescued me uh, that particular night that I was there. So you're a part of a country that we're told here, but we all need that kind of place to belong. You look at, at school, uh, you look at work, people immediately start falling into groups. You know, at school we say, well, you've got the jocks and, and the brainiacs and the nerds and you've got you know, all these different groups of people that are here and around and everything. Why do people join gangs? They join gangs because they want a sense of identity. They want a place to belong. We join groups because we want to feel safe. But God has provided in the church the ultimate place to belong. The church is supposed to be God's people, we're told here. As God's people, you have become fellow citizens. So as we look out in the world, there may be all kinds of places that you don't fit in, that you don't belong, that people might not want you there. But the church needs to be the place, that big melting pot where we all come together. You look around the room here and you see different ages and different genders and different races and different beliefs of everything in the world. And there could be many things that pulled us apart here. Man, just think about the presidential election coming up. You know, I'm going to preach a series of sermons saying, you know, please realize you're a Christian before you're, uh, you know, you're, you're voting in the election, you know, and try to act like it there and something like that. All kinds of things can pull us apart, but it is the blood of Jesus that brings us together. 
It is the blood of Jesus that causes us to be one country, and we all need that place to belong. Our scripture goes on in verse 19, though, and gives us a second reason. We all need a place to belong, but it tells us we also need fellow believers to share in the ups and downs of life. We need someone to go through life with. The church, we're told as the image, is supposed to be God's family. The church is God's family. Look back to verse 19 again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. You are fellow citizens with God's people and... You are members of God's household. When you became a Christian, you became a part of God's family. Now, it's interesting that in in the New Testament times, Christians were accused by the Romans of incest. And the reason they were accused of incest is they called everybody brothers and sisters. And some of these brothers and sisters were married to one another. And so the Romans says, well, you know, what's going on here? But the idea was the first church saw themselves as family. When you became a Christian, you became a part of God's family. And everyone became your brother and sister in God's family. You became a part of God's household. And what a difference that makes when we think of the family that we need. Because life is not easy. And there's times that life is hard and there's ups and downs and there's good and bad. And when all of that happens, it's good to know there's a place you can go and find rest, find acceptance, find forgiveness and find patience. And that's supposed to be what the church is all about. The church is supposed to be a place that you can come and share your life with people who care about you. It's supposed to be a family. Now, the truth of the matter is it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes people are petty. Sometimes people only think about themselves. Sometimes people won't be there when you need them. Guess what? That's just like your family at home. Think about your family at home. Is it always perfect in every way? Could you think, oh, there's never been an... Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. There's never been an argument in my family. My brother and sister never had a, a bad word. You know, I've told you before, uh, you know, I'm way older than most of the people in this room right now. I can still look at my sister and make her mad. That's the ability, you know, that's my superpower. I can just look at her and my sister will get mad, you know. And, 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 you know, we haven't been in school for 100 years or something like that. But, you know, that's just the way we are. There's times your family makes you so mad you could scream. There's times you say, okay, they, they've let me down. They didn't do what they say. They've made me mad. Uh, all they think about themselves and they're selfish. And guess what? If push comes to shove, blood is still thicker than water and you would die for them. And that's supposed to be what the church is like. If you think that this is supposed to be a perfect place because we're all good Christian people, you're not in the right place because you know what you see around here? You see people who were dead in their sins that have been forgiven. And so this isn't going to be a perfect place. This messy mess of of people that we have here. Messy mess. Write that down. Write that down. That's where the doctoral degree comes in. Uh, But but anyway, uh, this is a, you know, it's a messy thing that we have here. But when it works, oh, how good it is. When people care for one another and they're there when people are hurting and they pray with you when you're down. And they walk with you through the good and bad of life. But it's not just supposed to be people doing that for you. It's supposed to be you doing that for other people. 
It's supposed to be you being there for them and caring for them and loving them just as you want them to do for you. And the secret is you've got to do something and be involved. You can't just come and sit in this pew on Sunday morning. You can come here every Sunday and sit in this pew and not know anybody better than you do now. This is like a pep rally or something. You're going to know people as you go through life with them, as you go through ministry and and ministry groups with them, as you're in small groups with them. That's when you're going to be able to share your life with people. This isn't going to do it in the big room. We've got to find times of really being together with one another. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's what the church is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be there for one another. There's an interesting story in the paper this week. Uh, A man in Sacramento, California was mowing his yard uh, when he passed out. One of his neighbors saw it, called EMS. Uh, EMS came. Uh, They got the guy, was treating him. He just got a little overheated. They decided, and the man agreed, he didn't need to go to the hospital. He just needed to get some fluids and go inside and cool down. So the guy goes inside. They get him something to drink. Uh, He's got a, a wet rag on his head, and he hears something outside, and this is what he saw. One of the EMS workers was mowing his yard for him. That's what the church is supposed to be like. The church is supposed to be a place when you're down, when you're needed, when you're hurting, that someone steps up and cares for you. And when they're in that situation, you step up and care for them. The church is supposed to be a family and we need something to go through this life with. What a great gift of God that he said, you're not to go through this life alone. I'm giving you a family that's going to go through life with you. Third image in Ephesians that's used of the church. We need the church Because we need a place to learn and grow. A place to learn and grow. The church needs to be a place where we learn and get closer to God. It needs to be a place where we learn more about the things of God. It needs to be a a place of discipleship where we can grow and understand more about the Bible and the things and theology and those things about God. And the image that's given in verses 20 and 21 of chapter 2 is the church is seen as God's temple. As God's temple. Look down to verse 20. Of chapter 2, verse 20. It says, uh, uh, We're fellow citizens with God, people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So the first thing we're told is that the church is to be God's temple, and the foundation of that temple is built around. The, the prophets and, and the apostles. So the teachings that they had, the, the way that they lived, their example, their teachings, that's the foundation that we have. So for us to be all that we're supposed to be in as a church, the church is supposed to be, and you as an individual, this is a place you come and learn and grow and understand more about God. You have that foundation of the apostles and the disciples that came before you. You have the foundation of what's going on at this church. Uh, before you, if you come to this church, uh, you said in this building that most of you had nothing to do with building, building, uh, you walk around and most of this stuff isn't things that people in this church did. It's something that a generation before us has given to us. They are the foundation that has made this church what it is today. And so our question needs to be not what have we received from them, but what are we going to give to the next generation? What are we going to be giving to them to say, hey, this is, this is our faith. This is our walk. This is our ministry. The, our, the past generation gave this to us. This is what we're giving to the next generation. The church is supposed to be a place to love and grow. So that's the foundation. 
But more than the foundation, we're told in verse, in verse 20 that Jesus is the cornerstone of the foundation. So the foundation is that teaching of the apostles and the prophets, but everything is held together by Jesus. You take Jesus out of that and the whole thing falls apart. It doesn't exist anymore. You can have the best teaching in the world, best doctrine in the world, best theology in the world, but the church is built around Jesus. He is the cornerstone. Without him, the whole building falls down. If you've ever played Jenga, you know what that's like. You pull out that wrong block and what happens? The whole thing comes tumbling down. Well, Jesus is the block you can't pull out of the church. You take him out and everything else falls down. And then verse 21, what we're told is that, that okay, if that's the, the foundation and Jesus is the cornerstone, then we as individuals make up the rest of the building and the building becomes God's temple. So this is the place you learn and grow, get closer to God. That's what the church is supposed to be all about. And then we have one final image that's given of the church in our scripture passage. And that is we need the church because we're called and gifted to work together. We are called to work together and we are gifted to work together. And the image that's used here in Ephesians is the church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. Look back to chapter 1, verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. And God placed all, thing, and God placed all things under his feet, appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. These two simple sentences are really, really powerful. Look at what they say again. God placed all things under his feet. Who is he? He's talking about Jesus. Everything has been placed under Jesus. He appointed Jesus then to be head over everything, the church. So Jesus is the head of the body, the church. The very next thing it says is he's not only appointed to be the head over everything, the church, the church, which is his body. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we have a very long uh, writing on the church as the body of Christ. And what we're told is that, that Jesus is the head of the church and all the rest of us are parts of the body. So, uh, uh, you know, you, you know, you got, a, you got an arm and a leg and, and you know, all you know, different parts of your body, you know, whatever that song goes, the, the, the head bones connected to the knee bone. I, I don't know, something, something like that. But, but anyway, uh, I won't sing it for you, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. You can look it up on YouTube later or something like that. But each person in the church has your own gift, your own talents, and your own responsibility to use it. And if you do not use the gifts that God has given you, then the church is less because of it. It's like you're the hand of the church and the church is missing a hand. And so we are less without you here. Now, the problem most churches have is that 15, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And so we have, we have a, a lot of hands that are trying to be legs and kneecaps and other things because the people that were called to do it aren't doing what God called them to do. So the church is less and the church is hampered because everyone's not doing what God called them to do. But there's also the flip side to that. If you are not doing what God has called you to do, then you are less. Let's say you're a hand. You can't walk if you're a hand. You kind of smack around on the ground a little bit or something. But you can't talk, can't hear, can't smell, can't do a lot of things you could do. You're just a hand in the world by itself. 
So the gifts that God gave you, we're told in 1 Corinthians 12, were for the common good. It's so that together we're all made stronger. We were made to work together. We need the church because God built us in that way that our gifts complement one another. Look back to our scripture again, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The church is the body of Christ, which is the fullness of him. Do you understand what that's saying? The church becomes Jesus active and walking in this world. You cannot be the body of Christ on your own. Do you you think you can go out and do what Jesus did? No. You can do one little section of what Jesus might have done through your gifts and abilities. But as a church, God has gifted the church with all the gifts, with all the abilities, with all the insight, with all the talents to be his fullness in this earth. But we can't do it on our own. We can only do it when we are together. So what's any of this mean? It's really very simple. We need the church. I had somebody come in the other day, went to talk to me, and they said, you know what, I'm having some troubles and I wanted somebody to encourage me and pray with me. And so we were talking and everything, and, and uh, you know, I said, you know, well, are you a Christian? Do you believe in God? And they said, of course I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe in God. That's why I came here. And I said, great. I said, what church do you go to? And they said, oh, well, I don't believe in the church. You know, I, I don't believe in that. I believe in God and I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church. And what I wanted to say to him was, well, you came to a church for some prayer and encouragement. What's that about? You see, God has told us some things. He said, you need a place to belong. And I've given you a gift, the church. He said, you know what? You need a family to walk through life with you. And I've given you the church. He looked at us and he said, hey, you know what? You need a place to learn and grow and get closer to me. I've given you the church. You need a place where your gifts and abilities combine with others and make a difference. And I've given you the church. Lou Oliveira is a judge in North Carolina. I got his picture right here. And uh, he was a a member of special forces uh, in the military. And he had a a veteran come before him recently. Uh, The the guy was also from special forces, uh, had been in Iraq and Afghanistan and was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, He'd been arrested for several low-level beefs, and it was now time to do something about it. So the judge ordered him to jail uh, just overnight to teach him a lesson. Before he left, the other man looked at the judge and said, I don't know, I just get all anxious when something like this happens. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the night. They took him, they put him in the cell. He laid down on his bed, he started crying. And then he heard something and he looked up and Lou Oliveira, the judge, was standing there with a mat, threw it on the floor and spent the night in his cell room with him. They talked about special forces. They talked about their families. They talked about a new life. That was a judge who said, I know who I am and what I'm supposed to do. I also know that I'm standing with you in a tough moment of your life. What Lou Oliveira did is supposed to be what the church does every single day. Loving and caring and being for people in the toughest moments of their life. You're blessed because God didn't leave you in this world all alone. God gave us the church. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for this wonderful gift that you've given us.
Help us to not think we don't need the church, that you gave us the church, and that, Father, you expect us to be a part of your family. Help us to appreciate and to be active in your family, in your body. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.